My name is Tony, and I was in a cult for over a decade. And my name is Lindsay, and my sister was in a cult for over a decade. And now I'm out. Lindsay and my family helped get me out, and we have created a podcast. Playing in Traffic. We interview survivors of the Wimscog. We cover topics of healing and topics of all things about cults. So tune in, like, subscribe, whatever all that means, and enjoy the process of deconstruction. Welcome to Playing in Traffic. This is our disclaimer song. This is our disclaimer song. It's our opinion. Don't sue us. Don't sue us. If you didn't want us to make a podcast about you, then you probably shouldn't have started a religion where you brainwashed people and separated them from your family, so it's kind of your fault. But don't sue us. Don't sue us. You know who you are, so don't do it. Don't sue us. Welcome, everybody. Hello. Welcome to Playing in Traffic. My name is Lindsay, and this is my sister, Tony. And we're doing it. Oh, we already played that. You guys already heard the intro. Guys, we have a lot of stuff to talk about before we bring in our guest. We do. Our very special guest. First, we want to talk about some really, really, really some things that have just been eating at us, and we just wanted to share with you guys. Can I give you my analogy on Texas really quick before we Oh my God. I am so sorry, but Texas is just making me angry. Okay, Tony, I think I think of Texas as the Saudi Arabia of America. Because <laughs> think about it, they can get away with whatever the fuck they want because we rely on them for food and oil. Hmm. Yeah. Did you guys hear the news? Texas, they're going to require the Ten Commandments to be displayed in every single classroom. Primary and secondary schools. So they're they're requiring 16 by 20 inch posters visible from anywhere, from, from anywhere in the room by an average sized person and legible for an average person to read. Because I bet they realize that if they if they implement this and anyone wants to protest, people would just print it in Arabic, Hebrew, and then well, say. There's so many things that you could do. That's why they laid those rules out. But how ridiculous. How ridiculous. This makes me so angry. This yeah. makes me so angry because those Ten Commandments, this makes me angry on so many levels. But those Ten Commandments were used by the Wimscog to abuse us. And now they want to put them in my kids' schools where they have to look at them every single day where it says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Are you freaking kidding me? What's the, where's the division between church and state? If you want to raise your kids religious, let them go to the Catholic school. There's so many religious schools that you can send your kids to. This should not be in public schools. Our tax money should not pay for this. I would be infuriated. If I was in Texas, I would be getting the hell out of there because this is how things happen little by little. 
you know, it's just, it's just very scary. Okay. Let's just post up the Quran. That's one of the things I was thinking was, I know that you said the Wimscog used the 10 commandments, but what if because of this, then all the other religions submit a request. So like even encouraging the Wimscog to submit something that blatantly talks about mother, mother's teachings, mother's teachings, how uncomfortable that would be for anybody outside of the Wimscog, uh, the, and it, like the things from the Quran, uh, things from the Satanist group. Like I'm hoping the Satanist group gets on this because they're usually pretty good about that, about that. But the Freedom From Religion Foundation is like already gearing up to get ready to bring this to the court. So if anybody is looking to um, donate money to a good cause in this regard, this is the first uh, really big point that stuck out to me about the Ten Commandments being displayed in public school because we're also... On the flip side, having the whole argument of the don't say gay rules, the anti-trans, anti, um, uh, what's, uh, what's it in Tennessee where they can't have drag shows? Right. right. So they're all worried about like our children being exposed to this. And so the Freedom of a Foundation um, article about this topic, um, I was going to, I was going to prepare something about this, but they say it perfectly. So I'm going to just read it straight from their website. And then there's that seventh commandment so supposedly relevant to our K through 12 classrooms, adultery. Let's see Senator King sit down and try to explain that one to kindergartners. The Christian nationalists who object to classroom discussions on sexuality now want to continually expose tots to the concept of adultery. They think that by doing this, they're bringing God back into the schools. They also are trying to pass a bill that requires them to have a certain time every single day where they pray. It's also passing through at the same time. So tell me that's not triggering for us with prayer times. I mean, you are not going to make my kids sit down and pray at a specific time that you allow. That is never going to happen to me in my life again. I don't think that it can happen, but I do watch Handmaid's Tale. So, okay, here's the problem. It can happen. I mean, if, if last summer with our abortion laws didn't teach us anything, it's that Anything can freaking happen. And all of our civil liberties that we assume are so concrete in our country are just so, they're flimsy. They're not concrete. So we need to do everything we can, whatever that looks like, to keep our rights. Another quick thing we wanted to mention was some really sad cult news that we saw this week out of Kenya. This is still evolving as of like yesterday. So they're still doing a body count. They discovered that there was a, um, a cult in Kenya where the main leader instructed his um, congregation, I guess, to starve themselves to death. And so they're discovering bodies in mass graves. And the first time that we heard about this, there were about, what, 35 bodies? There are up to 90 bodies now. And I saw one that said 103, and they said a lot of them were children. Mm-hmm. So I think they're still discovering and still finding it out. Um, it was called Good News International Church. It was in Kenya. They arrested two pastors so far. Paul but... McKinsey. And he actually was in jail two months ago for the starvation of two children separate from this. Was released out on bail and probably freaked the F out and then called for his congregation. He lo- he invited them all to his like private property. But he's still alive now? Yeah, he's in custody. in custody. Oh, my goodness. So they're talking about charging him with, obviously, murder, 
possible terrorism charges and they're floating the idea of genocide charges against him. And Good. the article that I read on ABC News, Tony, mm -hmm. that, that investigators have opened up their search in the same county because they're starting to get reports of another cult in the area. Wow. So there's some um, culty, crazy stuff going on. So we'll keep you guys updated on that. We'll keep our eye on it. So, Tony, does that mean that it's too soon for a joke about this? Yes. Do you want to hear my joke that I wrote immediately while I was researching this? About the, about this? Yeah. Mass. The Good News International Church has some good news for you. Good news. I'll show you ways to save on your grocery bill. Ew. Is that funny? Oh, that's awful. See, when I was thinking about it, it was too sad, and so my brain made a joke. Hey, that's the way you handle it. This church is not affiliated with the Wimscog. This was like a this is like a whole separate thing. But I just want to do something really quick. State two facts: how long you can go without water without organ failure, how long you can go without food without organ failure. You know, we're told stories how Zangilja has fasted with no food and no water for like over ten days, so people are motivated to to do that. Do you think that you could live without food or water for 10 days, really? No. How long do you guys go without um, food and water? Like, how long do you go without water? Uh, that's like the whole thing. Like, you have to do both. Okay. So, how long, like, what's your longest fast in the Winscog that you like were? Definitely probably two days. What's the, like, what's the, like, expectation? Like, like, three days is, like, a pretty good one. Some people want to do, like, five days. Okay. So... I just want to throw this out here. Mm -hmm. If you don't drink water for three days, your organs can begin to shut down, especially your brain. And you could have lethal consequences that include fainting, strokes, and in extreme cases, death from three days of not having water. So between three to five days, five days, you'll definitely die from not drinking water. I mean, I don't know, definite. It makes me wonder if people really did that then, or if they were just saying they were doing, obviously, you know, she didn't fast for 10 days, but. I mean, I've heard stories from you guys of um, being on a fast, not having food or water and being out preaching. Yeah, and people would be so weak. People would be so, so weak, but you didn't never want to show it because you wanted to have strong faith. So I just want to put that out there for possibly anybody listening, anybody who's still participating in those fasts. Be careful. Be so careful. I mean, food is also necessary for like, you know, uh, a healthy, positive day-to-day -day functioning. But I think with food, if you were to fast for a day or two for a religious purpose, it's not as detrimental. But the water is what really worries me because your brain is literally just going, feed me. Take a picture. Okay. Oh, man. Anthony! It's kind of like a sad intro, so I'm like, I don't want to start off there. Did you hear about the cult in Kenya and it was a mass suicide? Anyway, you can Is hear. Is that part you of can this? Hear on the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we introed into this episode. Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. So, okay. 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 We we zig and then we zag. <laughs> <laughs> we zig, we zag. We do it all here on playing in traffic, guys. We're gonna change change directions a little bit and today we are going to talk again with our lovely friend Anthony who visits us from the east coast hi Anthony 
Hello. Hi. Video. This is a nice reprieve from the intro. We're just filling him in on how we uh, brought y'all into the into the episode today. Um, you guys, we've been wanting to do this episode. I have been, and I finally feel like we're close enough friends with Anthony and buddies that if I overstep and I ask a question, you can you you will feel back up. Back up, Lindsay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'll be I'll be ready to say. Shut it down. <laughs> you can go like this. I can't. <laughs> I can't hear you. I'm going in a tunnel. <laughs> um, so, yes, if that happens, because this is going to get a little personal. Anthony was in an arranged marriage, and we all know that. But we want to ask him all the deets on this episode. So today we're going to talk about arranged marriages. The Wimscog has been known to arrange marriages, even though they deny it. We've seen it with our own eyes. It happened to Anthony directly. And he's talked about it on our previous episodes with him. But we wanted to ask him more specific details, especially about his marriage. And thank you for coming on and being vulnerable and telling your story. I am happy to. Anthony, where should we begin? What year were you married into the Wimscock? In 2012. I remember because I was pretty sure that the world was about to end. I'm like, hey, why not? So that was one of the questions I was going to ask you was the, you know, impending doomsday predictions. Did that, um, did that sway your decision to be married or not? But obviously it did. Oh, uh, a thousand percent. Honestly, like... You know, I was in the church um, from July of 2011, and by the time that they had asked me about being in a marriage, uh, it was right before the the autumn feast. So um, what would that put us in? September? Um, Probably like sometime in September. And we i had to make a decision and and let the the pastor know who had asked me um if i wanted to marry uh my my branch the one who had uh invited me on the street to originally come to the church um so yeah it was about a year in and i i heard rumors about the arranged marriages but when i was presented with the idea i was really just kind of thrown off like i had no idea you know, I'm like, I heard about this. I, I kind of, you know, understood it a little bit, but no one really explained it to me. So in that meeting, it was the most confusing thing uh, <laughs> to be. Uh, Is it something that you had ever considered or something you would ever mention to anybody? Like, oh, I'm really wanting a wife or anything like that? No, I came into the church uh, single. Um, you know, I was in my mid-20s kind of dating around in New York City and um, I didn't have any uh, anyone I was with at the time. And then, you know, of course, as soon as you get into the church, there's a thousand different teachings about sexual morality. I've seen people um, when they admitted to it, they got screamed at and made it like a public spectacle. So, you know, I, I'm like, OK, I'm going to keep myself, uh, you know, away from even considering or thinking about that. Just focus on you know, preaching and this upcoming apocalypse and, you know, just focus on, on God, you know, I, I didn't want to. 
good things. Focus on the lighthearted things. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the finer things of life. <laughs> um, so, you know, it was it was definitely like my my thoughts, my my heart wasn't looking for anything like that. So, you know, going into um, it was I had become a team leader in Manhattan and I the pastor had come to visit and I just wanted to speak. And I was it was suggested that I talk to him and ask about how do I do a good job in this mission I, I received. And when I sat down, he was basically he said to me. Um, you know, oh, how old are you? And I'm like, oh, I, I just turned one, you know, like that was like my, my little joke about like one year of baptized life. And he's like, no, no, he, he, you know, he's just like, how old are you physically? And, you know, I, I responded, I believe I was 26 at the time. Uh, he's like, oh yeah, you should be thinking about family. You should be thinking about, you know, you know, I'm like, man, I haven't thought about my family in a while. And he's like, you, you know, you should think about marriage. And, you know, it was really confusing. He's like, why don't you uh, marry to your branch? And I just kind of sat there and I'm like, what? <laughs> and he's like, I'm like, he's like, what are you thinking? And I'm like, I, I don't know. He's like, why? You like somebody else? And I'm like, no. Like, you know, Pastor, we... um we make a big effort not to think about this stuff. We make a big effort, you know, to to keep away from those sorts of thoughts about, you know, the other members. Like, honestly, thinking before I, I considered if you thought about a member in that kind of way, like you are going down a slippery slope to hell. Like you're about to, you know, you can't entertain thoughts like that. You know, you have to like, uh, like stomp it out like get rid of it right away so i'm like no he's like okay well you know think about it let me know so that was kind of um his introduction <laughs> to me and after i had left you know i i didn't know what the heck just happened uh, i'm like what is this what is, like wh why are you like wh what just happened i went to the church leader and uh, i told him about the conversation that we just had and he said well you know, I'm like, is it a trick? You know, what if I did say somebody else? He's like, no, no, no. Look around the room, you know, like, you know, what about this one? What about that one? And it was kind of like, you know, like choosing, uh, you know, and, and I came up with like, well, my favorite people to preach with. I like this one. He, he's like, no, 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 no. And I'm like, what about that one? He's Can like, no, no, no. Can the women hear you guys saying all this? No, no, no. We're, <laughs> um, yeah, no. Um, there, there was a few different options, and you know, at the end, ultimately, um, it looked like the ones that he was kind of pushing me toward. Um, it was only a Koreans or or white uh, females, and then um, most of them. Uh, needed help with uh, passport, like not passport. What am I saying? Immigration. Like most of them were not in the states um, fully legally. So you know, I, I think I kind of figured out the pattern. But uh, I chose the one that the pastor had originally suggested for me, and um, told him right after some uh, feast that yeah, that's 
I'll, I'll marry this one. Um, and that was it. <laughs> and that's that's how it was decided. It was a beautiful wow. wedding. Did, 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 you wedding. Did, you, did you have a wedding or did you just go in pastor's office? So after work, we we took a bus to Ridgewood, New Jersey. Um, we walked a little bit to the church and we met with the pastor. Uh, he stepped out into the hall. He pointed to um, two missionaries. You, you come. We went into the office. And then we signed some papers and then we took a picture and then that was, that was it. And then we hung out in Ridgewood for a while separately. And then we took a bus back to New York Wow. where we went our own ways. Oh, I forgot to say, and on our wedding day, right afterwards, he told me, stop being so goofy. Um, I have to carry myself better and I should go to Florida to help establish the Tampa church. So immediately after getting married, he's ready to send you to be a house church leader. Not a leader. No, 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 no. It's just house to assist. Helper, right? Yeah, yeah, to, to help out and, you know, um, so don't it was. Think, don't you think that there's a pattern of marrying people into these arranged marriages with the sole purpose of sending them for the gospel work? Oh, I mean. When I when I asked about why would I get married, what what's the benefit, what's the purpose of that, um, it was told to me that being married opens up a lot of blessing. So I'm like, well, you know, the world's about to end. If I could show that, you know, I am willing to do something as crazy as marrying a stranger, you know, like God's going to think I'm awesome. Like God's going to be like. Yeah, this one will do anything for me. So I'm like, let's do it. And, and, you know, uh, Tony, you know, how much would you do for blessings? Right. Anything, literally. Because what happens if you get enough? You know, your life in heaven is great. And if you don't get enough, then going to heaven is questioned whether or not you can even attend, like go to the kingdom of heaven. So I'm like, I need as many blessings as I possibly can. I came to this thing late, like all these other people, they've been here for years. I'm coming in fresh and I need to really like, you know, move like 10 times faster than them. On your wedding day, did you feel blessed? How did you feel? I want to know what you felt like right after you married her and you guys are walking back to the bus. I honestly, um, in a way I, I didn't really, like, it was so overwhelming about like what was happening. It was such a big decision that I feel like I didn't really in like understand what just happened until like I had to digest this situation little by little. Um, and it definitely was uh, overshadowed, I think this new arrangement. Um, one, we didn't, I lived with brothers at the time when we got married and she lived with some of the sisters and we had to find a place together and we had already arranged for the place for us to move into. Uh, after our marriage, we had to wait a little bit, but basically we could only stay there a month because we had to move down to Florida. So it, it was, it was such a, 
a disaster. And I went from like having like, you know, when I first moved in with brothers, I had like three U-Haul trips to bring my stuff into the apartment. And now I'm going to Florida and it's whatever fits into the back of a Jeep I bought with a paycheck that was like barely able to make it. But um, yeah, so, you know, it was it was a strange experience. And the fact that I had to get ready to move that, you know, move into an apartment and then move out of the apartment, move to another state and find a new job. And, you know, I have this new mission and the world's about to end and all these things are happening all at once, you know. It was kind of like um, emotionally, it was like the three stooges trying to get through the door at the same time where like all of them are trying to get through and then they get stuck because, you know, there's not enough space. I think that's like mentally what was happening. Like all these things are trying to happen all at once. And I was just like not able to feel anything. You know, I was just had to take it a day at a time. Did she seem nervous? Did she seem nervous or was she like really good at like, okay, this is what we're doing. So it was really confusing um, because um, they told me that, you know, here's her phone number, you know, at the very beginning, like, here's her phone number, reach out to her and, you know, set something up for you guys to hang out. And, you know, I, I tried to call her to arrange a time to meet and she didn't speak English very well. And it was very confusing. And I was texting her and, you know, that was a a little bit better, but she was very confused because nobody told her. Nobody told her that, you know, they're like, we're supposed to go out on a date and figure each other out. So I'm trying to message her like, hey, let's let's get this going. Let's let's hang out. Let's, you know, do what we're supposed to do. And she's like acting like really strange. Um, And then we set up a married what who is this guy (laughs) yeah yeah i mean she knows who i am because um she she's you know the one who who uh she was there you know to to preach to me so i'm what they would call her fruit you know or the the one she brought in so she was kind of keeping tabs on me for the whole time um just you know because it's her blessing for heaven but she um she and I went out and we we went on like a couple of quick dates, um, like, you know, after church, like we'd go and we'd sit on a bench or we'd, you know, we'd go out to eat somewhere. Um, uh, and I remember one day I was supposed to like the first date we were supposed to have, we were supposed to like go out. Um, I told the, the deacon and then. The deacon's like, oh, actually, I want you to cook on this date for everyone. And I'm like, yeah, but I have this thing scheduled. And then he sat me down. And he's like, you did something wrong in the eyes of God. You, you know, you have to be here and you need to cook and you have a mission now. And, you know, uh, he's like, this is your blessing. And that's a blessing, too. But, you know, she she would have canceled on you if she had someone ask her to you know, do this thing for the church. And I'm like, oh, okay. I'm sorry. I didn't know. Uh, Ooh, that's creepy. So they were already trying to make it like, you're going to get married, but you always need to put the church above your relationship. Yeah. Even while I was just trying to figure out whether or not I wanted to marry this person. That's crazy. It's like it started then. Yeah. So we had really like 
very little time, but we had to decide, did we want to get this blessing or not? And we, you know, we both agreed to it. And next thing you know, we, um, we go to Florida and it's, it's a tough situation because we're both under a lot of stress. Um, you know, I'm going there and, you know, we don't have jobs. Like I just spent every penny I had getting a car, getting down there, putting the deposit on the house, buying furniture for like the house church, um, you know, like study tables and study boards and whatever I could contribute to. We're sleeping on an air mattress that's deflated and like, we were basically sleeping on the floor. Um, it, you know, the whole thing is just like, you know, we're, we're living in poverty. We're spending all of our time and money cooking and, you know, just trying to get by. She finds a job immediately. There's um, a Korean restaurant not far away. So, you know, they, they hire her. Um, I, I'm trying to find jobs anywhere um outside of my career path i ended up taking a job that paid half the amount i was getting paid in new york um barely getting by and yeah so it, it was definitely tough and the fine like you know it took me like uh, i think a month to find a job and in that time she became so mean to me so nasty because i didn't have an income and she just felt like i was some big loser because <laughs> I didn't have, you know, a money, you know, I just spent all my money, you know, right before I had lost my job, got a new job, just kind of rebounding financially. And, you know, and then she took like, cause you know, we got married in like, you know, like a minute, like it was, there was no time at all. And, you know, I got like whatever wedding ring I could afford. And in front of like the whole group of them, she's looking at their ring and she's like, yeah, this is garbage. This is just trash, you know, really nasty things. Um, All right. Here's the question I'm going to ask you to tell me to shut it. Um, is that you said you guys are sleeping on the blow mattress. So yeah. like immediately, are you guys like smooching and like sleeping together? Like, is it like, OK, we're married. Let's not have a baby, but let's do the thing to not have a baby. <laughs> well, okay. So it 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 is like like that when we first um get together, you know, it is kind of like, okay, we we have to you know, be together and it was very very uncomfortable like, you know, cuz we um we had these walls you know, uh, from person to person, you know, being that we were church members together and, you know, we, we had to stay distant, not talk to each other, never shake hands. Like you could never even have any physical touch. You know, if you were in a car with a female, like she had to be in the back seat, you know, and you're in the front and, you know, it's just like always a, a lot of rules. And now you're trying to become physical. <laughs> don't you think that you genuinely feel like it's your brother and your sister and so in a way it's kind of like weird i yeah i mean they drill that that point into your head well tony about... a love marriage and i've heard you say that you felt there that were times way. when i had like no desire for my husband because in my head in my reality he was my brother there were times in our marriage when it was really like that. So I imagine in an arranged marriage, it would be, it could be like that a lot. 
Yeah. And you know what? There's different people and different different reasons because, you know, this is just my experience, but I've seen a lot of different um, experiences before. I've seen experiences where people get married because they slept together. And now it's like, well, you could either get married, leave the church or go to hell, you know, or leave the church and go to hell, you know. So, um, you know, there's a lot or like they choose each other out of lust, like. They they know that there's arranged marriages. They've heard it. So then they're going to the leader and they're begging, I want this one. I want this one. I want this one. And then they're a lot. a lot. And like they 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 go and like, I want to marry this one. I want to marry that one. And then the leader kind of like, you know, they have this this weird control whether they permit or withhold that marriage. Um, like in the East Coast, like a lot of the leaders, they came in with different uh, girlfriends and different people. And then the pastor like rearranged them. Okay, you guys are all gonna break up and you're gonna marry this one's girlfriend and you're gonna marry yes, this one's Anthony, boyfriend. Anthony, that happened in Denver too. It also happened over here. So many people went in with one husband or, or wife or you know boyfriend, girlfriend, and now they're with somebody totally different and they even have children. Yeah. What the fuck happened? And there there was a, a, a one brother I saw that he wanted to just get married. Like he didn't care. He's like, they go, you know, look like any I, I don't care. Like he um <clears throat> he he was he was faithful, but he was like a little weird. Like he was one of the ones who would ask a question sometimes, you know. Um so I mean he wasn't weird in, in that regard, but like to the church it was weird. Like, why would he ask a question? Why would he have this thought? Um, he wanted to get married, and they're like, um, no, 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 no. If you want to get married, you could look outside. You know, they, they told him like that, you know, and it's kind of like if you marry somebody outside of the church, then how, how are people going to view you? What are you going to be like? Are they going to pull you out? Like, that's the one that they really have little care about. Like, you know, well, if they're I like, find somebody outside. Right. That's kind of the point that we were talking about earlier, how the reason they really want to pair people is so that they can use them for their labor trafficking to go and do all their work. Yep. But if they have somebody that maybe isn't as motivated or, you know, who is lazy, they don't pair up people who are not workers. They only pair people who are going to go and be gospel workers. Yeah. And because that, Lindsay, Lindsay has to tell you something. <laughs> Lindsay, read that article or that that little piece because we looked up what is forced marriage. There's a difference between forced marriage and arranged marriage. Did you know that, Anthony? Forced marriage. What a forced marriage is. So I was looking up the like what the legality of an arranged marriage in the U.S. is because obviously it's protected under like freedom of religion, right? If you're a religious organization like if you're in from an Indian family you can have an arranged marriage like there's no law against that um but force if everybody consents and everybody wants to but forced marriage is under coercion mm-hmm. which yeah. we were under coercion to commit labor trafficking so that's yeah. why I think that a lot of times these are forced marriages and those are illegal and under the federal law, human trafficking involves exploiting someone to compel a commercial sex act or forced labor. So in the case of the Wimscog, 
there may or may not be an argument that forced labor, if somebody comes over here and they're for, and then they're forced into a marriage, that also could be considered trafficking because now they're free labor. I I feel like I'm being like diagnosed. Mm. Oh, you know what I mean? Like when the doctor kind of tells you what's wrong. Mm. Yeah. You know, like, you know, oh my, so the, you're putting a name to this weird, ex, these experiences I've had. Yeah. Right. I think that we just really want to make the point that, you know, you agreed to marry this this girl because you believe that it was the way for you to get blessings and that's how it's presented as a way for you to go and do the gospel work however the problem is is like did you even really have a choice in the beginning because you were already coerced into believing that the end of the world was coming i don't think that anybody likes to admit to themselves that they were um, under the the influence of somebody else's, you know, control, um, or that you know somebody else convinced you of these, you know, these wrong things. But you know, really, that's that's the the church was very coercive, and I wouldn't have gotten married if 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 it weren't for their belief system and the fear of condemnation, I wouldn't have done it. If somebody just came up to me and would have said, hey, let me arrange a marriage for you. Like, you know, let, let me help you find love and this person can help you with, you know, whatever activities you, you I, I wouldn't have done it. But the fact of the matter is this was a way for me to be, uh, to help protect myself against hell. Uh, against damnation yeah i was definitely coerced into it because this is um that that was that was just my my thought was like i don't want to go to hell like every, like 99% of the world is going to hell and i don't want to be one of them so whatever i need to do i'm going to do I, I i acted out of fear so yeah i think that it could definitely be seen as forced even though there was no literal gun to the head it was um, told to me, like, you know, if someone was like, you know, if you don't do this, I'm going to shoot you. And if you, you don't see the gun, like, it doesn't mean that you're not under, you know, this compulsion. The gun could not even exist. You yeah. know, the same thing with their teaching. You know, if you don't do this, you know, you're disobedient to God and those who disobey God go to hell. You know, it, it's it's very similar. You know, they're telling me that I'm going to be in eternal fire and damnation if I don't please God. So I can do see that. Think, do you think in a way that it, I just thought of this right now. Do you think in a way it could have been like a test of your faith to faith to see how far, you know, they could push you or use you because maybe you could have reacted differently. Like, no, I don't want to get married or. Do you know what I'm saying? But yeah. Um, but really, how awful that they would, because obviously you did it because you did have such strong faith in, you know, father or mother. I don't think I would have gone to Florida if I didn't get married. I don't think I would have been considered for that. I don't think that, you know, I would have advanced. I don't think I would have been, you know, uh, giving any um, like afternoon services or, you know, 
things like that that I built up to. I think all those things came with the fact that I got married. Um, and if I didn't get married, I don't think I would have got those things um, at all. Like, you know, you need to kind of take that plunge, take that step in order to receive a lot of those things. Like I was announcing while I was uh, single. That was OK. And those are like but, manifestations of your blessings. Like if you're getting those things, that means you're doing something right. And in heaven, you're building up your blessings. Exactly. So you think you're doing the right thing and you're on the right path. It's like kind of what's her backstory? Yeah, so she she was in college um, when she was preached to and she joined um, and she ended up, um, you know, joining in college. And then after she graduated, she got a good job in um, nursing and then she came to the U.S. because they were looking for people um, to go to the U.S. to preach. And she just was very determined. Whatever she wanted to do, she accomplished. She was like, she's very like, if she wants it, she's going to go and get it. And, you know, when she heard about like, go international, go to the U.S., you know, she just went for it. And she was here for um, a little bit of time um, before we got married, maybe uh, a year. It's so clear now being out of it, but they probably saw such a great, strong leader in you and then such a straight, you know, a great, strong leader in her, a go-getter. And so, of course, they would want to use you guys together, right, as their, as their workers. I mean, it, it makes sense. It makes sense, yeah. uh, you know, to, to pair us, um, I guess, in, in that regard. Um, I was never really a go-getter, though. I was always more of a, you know, how can I help? Like, I, I was always there to just be a, a, a helper and, and help however I could. I never wanted to lead anything. I just wanted to be like, oh, yeah, you want me to run, do this thing for you? or oh, Yeah, but that's what they up. love. They love the helper. You know, the yeah. helper is the leader. The servant is the, are the best ones, the ones who serve, right? But yeah, they so, came oh with the bossy with the bossy wife who is a go getter. So she says, "Let's do this," and then Anthony's like, "Okay." That's yeah, that, that's <laughs> really <laughs> her immigration status would have been like kind of up in the She, she like, was here um, legally. She was here legally. Um, it was through a student visa. Okay. Um, she came here and she was supposed to be a student, and she didn't. Um, so when we, um, she had to work off the books, um, because she was just here to be a student. Um, and ultimately, uh, we had to go through the whole immigration process in order for her to get her, um, you know, uh, resident alien and all that stuff and go through like a, a process where we met with people and did the interviews and all that stuff. Um, but what was interesting about that is that they told us that we had to lie at immigration. Um, we couldn't tell the whole story about how we met. They said, um, you know, you we have to both come up with a story about where we met, who was there, um, you know, but it can't be the church. We can't say the name of the church. 
the, the church cannot be brought up. It has to be a, a complete secret. Um, and we have to make up how we met and make some stuff up in order to fill the gaps. And I mean, in a way, I was already doing a lot of that lying to people because of I can't tell people about an arranged marriage or anything like that in my regular life. So, you know, these sorts of stories that we would make up in order to tell people so we didn't seem like um, crazies, you know, like. Did you have was, like a sense of shame around it or like embarrassment at the of time? Of course. I mean, like, I'm, I, I'm not going to go around and tell my coworkers, like, oh, how'd you meet? Uh, you know, the church told me to marry this one or that one, you know, so. The fact that they asked you to lie about it going into it, it must be a direct um, violation of immigration law than to be arranged and then get married and get immigration status from it. Is it? I don't know. I don't know. If anybody knows that, let us know. Do you know, Anthony? Why would they have you lie otherwise? I mean, why would they have you lie if you're allowed to? So an arranged marriage versus a love marriage, is is that a different way for immigration status to be given? Or is it because the church is arranging it? I think that the church just wants their hands clean from the whole situation. And ultimately, during it, I mean, the number one thing that they were looking for um, was this, this one part. They said to her, why are you getting married? Um, why don't you go to, back to Korea? Why are you staying here? What's here that you want to stay here in the U.S.? And she was like, actually, I like the U.S. better. It's, you know, da 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 like trying to come up with, like, I love the U.S., but that's not what they were looking for. And like, what's here in the U.S.? And I'm like, you know, hey, <laughs> right here. <laughs> but she wasn't, she wasn't getting it. Um and then she, she, she's like, she, they're like, why aren't you with your family in Korea? She's like, well, actually, he's my family now. Like, this is, I, I'm building my family through him. So that's why I'm, I'm, I'm here is through him. Because uh, that's my family. And she's like, yes, that's what I needed to hear. Um, and I don't think that that was wrong. Like, honestly, like, at that time, in the moment, we really did see that as long as the earth was not, you know, uh, a sea of fire, <laughs> we would be together. That was kind of what we had in our minds and in our heads. And, you know, we really did think that we were going to, you know, sooner or later that that was going to happen. So Right. Once you accepted that blessing, you guys just took it on and you were going to be husband and wife and you were going to do the gospel work. Yeah, that was exactly that was exactly it. For the next beautiful three months of the rest of the world. Yeah, that was that was what I thought. Um, but we, you know, by the time that we had immigration um, and and spoke about that, it was already, um, you know, after 2012. It was sometime in 2013 or early 2014. So she finally became a citizen. Um. A uh, resident. A resident. Okay. And did that cost you guys a lot of money? Did you have to help pay for that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it was, it was, you know, we had to get a lawyer and, and stuff like that to get that done. Um, you know, did the I mean, she help with any of that or no, that was all on you guys? No, that that's us. No, the church didn't help anybody with anything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, you know, they, they take money, they don't give it. <laughs> That's, uh, uh, we're talking about the Wimscog here. 
That's insane. That's so crazy. Just to think about that one scenario where they arranged your marriage and then you and then completely disheveled your whole life and then was like, hire your own lawyer and go make this legal. In your experience, in your time in the Wimscog, did you see several cases where Koreans were married to Americans and then went through the whole immigration process as you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It was it was very common. Um, for a while, they would they were shipping a, a lot of Koreans from there to come preach here. Um, eventually, um, I think that they started to slow down with that. Um, I think that they kind of changed. They, they said that they wanted to build up members from the U.S. and build them up here, uh, opposed to just having them like gospel workers, you know, quote unquote, being sent over here. They wanted to make their do you own. Remember they would, do you remember they would send them for like preaching festivals, like Jerusalem preaching festival times and stuff? And they, they would come here, Lindsay, from Korea, and they would, they were completely labor trafficked from early in the morning to late at night. They would preach, cook, clean, study, have to bear fruit. And then eventually they would get jobs. A lot of the people here in Colorado got jobs doing nails. A lot of the Korean members did a lot of nails. Um, okay, Anthony, how long did you stay married? Um, we got married uh, in 2012 and we split up um, in 2022. Wow. Well, technically, yeah, 2022 is when we separated. So, uh, it, in, you know, month to month, it was a little under 10 years. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, I'm going to say it like this. I'm going to say it like this. Um, it may sound like I'm bashing the whole thing, you know, but in reality, I really did grow like a lot of love for this person. I really did. You know, like there's no way not to. And you see somebody like fully, you know, in that time. I, I've seen her uh, happy. I've seen her angry i've seen you know when when she's like broken inside where she's crying i've seen like, i've seen all of this um like I, I i know this person and you know just to think about like the pain that i caused when we split up and you know how how heartbroken she was like it still gets me sad to think about you know i i've seen her heartbroken and i've seen it like you know, it, it's tough. It's definitely difficult um, to to think about what what the aftermath is of breaking up even an arranged marriage. Um, and you know, I, I feel really sad about it. But I, I you know, honestly, I, I just needed to live my life. I needed to go and um, you know get out of the church. And honestly, for someone who's so devout. There's no way that I would be able to leave the church and not not also leave her. Like, I'd always be in the church if I was with her. Did you guys ever float that idea towards, like, the end of you wanting to, like, the beginning of you wanting to leave? We spoke about it. It, it We we did. Um, she said she wanted to stay with me. Uh, you know, she's like, I'll only go to the church, you know, for service days and, you know, special events and festivals and you know, all these things, but, you know, every other day we can spend together, we can work on our relationship. Um, you know, she's like, but I don't want to be married to anybody who, you know, drinks. I don't want to be married to anybody who 
does this or does so like I felt like I couldn't have any friends <laughs> I felt like I was gonna live in time out you know like I was just gonna be home and and not able to do anything at all um and I needed to explore I needed to go out I needed to you know be able to be in my car and not listen to church music I needed to you know uh be able to be discover myself and I, I I couldn't do that in that situation under those sorts of um restrictions so the, you the know. original coupling of like this relationship that you have with her and and being in a cult and in order for you to to unlatch yourself from the cult I mean that that that's a hard that I bet that was very hard to do yeah and honestly I, I really I'm I'm sad about like uh I'm sad about her and you know what she's had to go through with it. Um, I, I think that she's a you know a great person. I think she deserves better for her life. Um, but I don't blame me for the trouble. I blame the church for the trouble. Um, and I'm just you know sorry that like you know my leaving caused her pain. Um, but honestly, like I don't regret it. But I also, I'm not fully happy, you know, about the situation. You know, I, it's kind of complicated because I can't feel fully good knowing that my happiness came at her pain. But it's also, you know, I had to make the choice anyway. <laughs> so, you know, I don't know. It, it, I don't want to be selfish, but I also like. You had to. It's okay, Anthony. Cheers. Cheers to all those hard decisions you had to make. Yes. Because, oh I'll raise my cup of coffee to that. <laughs> I'll raise my, my busy bong. What'd you call it? Busy bong? On, on bong? Yeah. I like it. <laughs> Smoking her zang ganja. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, we should come out with a one. <laughs> oh my god, they would love that. They would sue the shit out of us. Bring oh, out. I would love the zang ganja with like you know her face with like having like the the like the little fro that she has made out of like. <laughs> before you um before you break up. And what was it like? When you were like kind of trying to find your way out, but she was still all the way in. Okay, so it it I didn't just like one day say I'm done. <laughs> you know, I was I was leaving. You know, I it but it it takes ramp up. It takes like slowly. Courage. You gotta talk yourself into it. Yeah. 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 So exactly, I was I was slowly leaving and um. The thing is, there were some things happening that I would tell her about, and then she would report it. Um, and they made it very obvious that, you know, she reported it, and then she would try to deny it after, which was just the craziest thing, because there would be something I would say, um, like, to her. Like, there was, like, a message, and I got upset about this message, and I told her, I'm like, oh, this person you know, such an awful person that talking about an, an overseer because um, he was doing some things that, you know, 
were very shady, very two-faced. Um, and I, I mentioned it to her. All of a sudden, like, I, I get a phone call, like, you know, an hour later after I, I had to make a drive out to the Home Depot or something like that. And he, he gives me a call. He's like, I know that you're very upset about the message I posted. And, you know, but da 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 I'm like, what made you think I was upset about the message you posted? And he froze and he's like, oh, uh, well, you didn't respond to it. So I just assumed you were mad. Yeah, OK. Uh, <laughs> and then another time I, I had a question about um, it was about, actually about the Day of Atonement. I had a question about, you know, um, I guess for anyone who knows about the teachings, they teach you that during the time of trumpets to the Day of Atonement, you pray like 5 a.m. and, you know, 8 or 7.30 p.m. every day. Pray, 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 confessing, screaming out loud all your sins you've committed. And supposedly everything you say gets put into the most holy place where God the Mother holds on to it. And it feels like every sin you've done is a thorn that sticks and pierces her. So she's there suffering and bleeding and, you know, in so much pain until the Day of Atonement. All those sins that you confess that she has, she puts onto the head of Satan, who is then cast out with them. So my question was, I don't get it. Why do they keep telling us every year to repent for stuff that we've already repented for the years before? I get it, like why we repent for the last 365 days, but I don't get why we have to go even further back if all that stuff's already been given to her, then given to Satan. And I asked this question, um, and the next thing I know, I'm sitting on uh, in a service, and there's a Zoom call like service, and the overseer is on there, and he's like, you know, I don't get, you know, some leaders who've been here, I don't know, 10 years. And that's how long I was there. <laughs> and, you know, all of a sudden they think that they have a title, that they know something. And then they start to question the Day of Atonement. And da, 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 and like he really started to like call me out in detail. Like very, very like specific. I'm like, I don't think there's an epidemic of leaders with titles who've been here for 10 years that is questioning the Day of Atonement. I, you know, I mean, especially in the small region that we're in. I mean, there's like probably like five churches on this call, but um, so I, I I step out. I'm like, I'm not coming back. And she's like, No, that could have been about anybody. <laughs> that could have been. So, <laughs> you know, I um, I'm like, Are are you kidding? She's like, No, it, it really could have been. It could have been about this deaconess, or it could have been. I'm like, uh, I I don't think so. I really don't. I don't think that's what happened. But I was I was you know. So things like that, I started to see that I couldn't really trust her, that she was starting to report me. Um, but every time I, I told her, I'm like, look, I'm not going to the church anymore because I believe I'm going to the church because I don't want to hurt you and I'm doing it for you. But that can't last forever. And she's like, OK, that's fine. Keep coming just for me then. Keep coming just for me. And I'm like, oh, OK. And then all of a sudden, um, one day I just didn't go to a service and that was it. <laughs> and yeah, so that was kind of like, and then we had to have a serious conversation. I'm like, I'm not going to go back. So did you feel like you were being spied on by her? 
Well, here's the thing. I think that's honestly one of the big parts of why they arrange marriages too, is that now every couple has a spy. You know, think about it. And a Korean one. I mean, Korean spy is the best because they talk and we don't know what they're saying. Mm hmm. That's very true. I mean, not that they wanted to spy on me specifically, but any marriage that they arrange Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. now, you know, one person who doesn't believe and now they're done. I'm gone. But Listen, you know what? That happened in my own marriage, too, because there was a long time when I was still going faithfully and my husband wasn't. And I told on him and I spied on him and I would I would report him for chewing tobacco. And then we'd have to have meetings about it. My own grown ass husband, I would spy, I would spy on him. See, Tony. Oh my God, it's awful. But as that, I'm saying, that, I don't think it was just an arranged marriages. I think if whoever had a higher level of faith had an upper hand in every single marriage. Okay, but think about it like this. If if you had a spouse outside the church, mm-hmm. what would happen? You know, who's going to tell you? No, nobody is. Right. But if they're both believers and then one's going away, one's staying. Yeah, so everybody, they're, they're, it's human nature that you want to be paired up. You, you right. want to have a spouse. You want to have somebody, um, you know, companionship and all the other things that come along with it. So if you have somebody who's in the church who also believes, now you have somebody making sure that you're praying at prayer time. What if you stop? What if you're just a single person you stop? Who's going to know? But now you have accountability. Somebody who's going to be able to, you know, keep tabs on you. Somebody who's going to be able to make sure you're not listening to worldly music when you're driving. You make everybody live together, you know, and everybody's living together as couples. Mm -hmm. And everybody's spying and talking to each other. Mm -hmm. And now if you want to leave, it's not just your decision. You can't just up and leave. You have to up and leave the spouse. You have Mm -hmm. to... It, it it creates all these extra obstacles for people who want to leave not to be able to. And I've seen it a lot. I've seen it a lot where there are people who are married and they don't believe, but they don't want to lose their spouse. Because, you know, sometimes when one spouse leaves, they convince the one who remains to get a divorce or to separate um, from them entirely. So... You know, I, I could understand like why this is such a great benefit for them to force these marriages. Why not just keep everyone single? You know, what's the purpose? What's the great benefit? Well, now they got somebody always monitoring you. The only thing I thought that was really good though is that when we have to go to 5 a.m. worship and it's like 3.50 in the morning, we have to wake up to get to the church on time. Uh, there's somebody else to make sure that you don't hit snooze. I was always lugging around kids at 5 a.m. It was awful. It was so awful. Can I ask you a nosy question? Yeah. About the money when you went through a divorce? So I was just going to ask that. Is that you? That's mom calling. Thanks, mom. Mom. Thanks for interrupting. Hi, mom. I love you, mom. I'll call you back Mm -hmm. later. Okay. Um, So you get a divorce. You're like, okay, I'm over. Blah, 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 blah. Now, what happens with um, your guys' money? Like, was it shared at this point? Is this oh, like, okay? Yeah, so first? money is an interesting topic. Um, 
you know, I, I was actually very intrigued about what other people were doing um, because originally when we got together, the idea was I would have a bank account, she would have a bank account, and then we'd have a mutual bank account. And the way that we would figure out bills is, okay, there's common bills. There's electric, there's rent, there's, you know, telephone, there's, you know, uh, internet, there's, you know, whatever the case may be. So we would have this combined uh, uh, account, like uh, combined bills that we'd both have to pay. You know, all the essentials, food and everything, all the essentials would go into one bill. And then I would see our income ratio. Like maybe I had 70% and she had 30%. So I would pay 70% of the rent. I'd pay 70% of the food, 70% uh, of the phone bill, and she would pay the 30%. So this way, it wasn't like a, a burden on either of us, and we'd have a joint account for savings that we would both funnel money into as we could. And then the rest of it was, you know, at our discretion. Um, but then the only thing that we had to really do together was tithe. Um, I wanted to do tithe individually, but she said, no, as a couple, we have to tithe together, which means we put our tithe money in like one, divided by two and we both gave the same amount. So that was, that was how it was originally. And that's how I felt was fair and clean and clear. Um, when I had became a house church leader though, the overseer sat us down and he asked us about our, our income and how do we organize? And he said, no, you need to put all your money together. Um, only one account. And I'm like, but, you know, I have like credit card payments and, you know, uh, student loan bills and all these different things that come out of my account. I don't want her to misunderstand. Like I, I'm organizing my funds in that way. And um, he didn't care. He said that, we, you know, for the gospel, we needed to have all of our money together. So that's what we ended up doing. Uh, we ended up putting all of our money into one account. So, what could I do? <laughs> um, it's messy uh, when it's time to leave. Yeah, w exactly. You know, that's the same thing. Like, um, you know, it makes it more tricky to leave. Mm -hmm. And then when you get divorced, does that affect her immigration status? Or she's just good to go now? I think that she has a couple years. Um, but I honestly, I don't know. Um, that's not my, uh, yeah, I'm that's not my fight anymore. I, I want to say what I know from it is when you get married and you have immigration status from that, that you have to stay married for two years and then it becomes like more permanent, if not permanent. Yeah. 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 So we, we did have like the times of refreshment of like, you know, renewing, but, um, I don't really know what, what her status is. Uh, I'll tell you that during the um, separation, um, we had acquired a lot of debt. Um, we, you know, we we acquired it from moving a lot, buying a lot of like furniture and food and uh, things like that for the house churches, and because um, we were moved a lot. We, you know, we went from New York to Florida to New York to Pittsburgh to Baltimore to a different part of Baltimore down to closer to the temple in Maryland and then, you know, eventually out to Virginia. And 
um, it was it was a tricky uh, thing, you know, acquiring all these different bills and payments and running a house church is not cheap. And then for the last like while the um, we had roommates of the house church, like, you know, and they weren't really uh, covering everything that they should, you know, because like they were, you know, some of them were leaving earlier when the house church was closing. So like, you know, a month or two before the church was actually closed and we couldn't move somebody in for a month or two. So we had to double it up and, you know, they didn't want small house churches. Like it was, um, a, like, I think it was like 3,500 a month for the, uh, and you know, th this is in like Maryland. So it was not like New York city. Just remind me every church, every house church is in your guys's individual names, right? Yes. We put, yeah. It's all in like your individual name, your individual name. Yeah. So, you know, the deposits under like it's my deposit, you know, all these things, it's, you know, money that I've, uh, I've invested into it. And so, you know, that was, that was definitely like, you know, it, it adds up, it, it, you know, these things, they add up movers add up, um, all this stuff adds up. <clears throat> so by the end, you know, I was working down, like paying off some debts. Um, but I had credit card debt um from all this stuff in the past and eventually we um when we split up like i had to find a place to live um you know i spent a couple of weeks living in a hotel which you know isn't free and um basically i, I just said that whatever's in the savings you know she could keep all the debt i'll keep the tax refunds um i'll give her uh, 70%, I'll take 30%. Um, she could take whatever furniture she wants first dibs. I'll take whatever's left over. And that will be the end of, you know, the end of it. Well, uh, and I'll pay for her health insurance for a year and her cell phone and car insurance for a year. And that was kind of the, um, you know, the, the negotiation we came up with. I thought, you know, especially considering that, like, I was really sad for her. Like, I don't know if that was really fair for either of us. <laughs> um, you know, I don't know if, if, if it's, you know, better, like if that was a great deal for her or if that was a great deal for me, I don't know. Um, honestly, like it just saves us both a headache, you know, and I was the breadwinner of the two of us, obviously. So, you know, I, I just took on all the, uh, the hardship about it. It's very nice of you to do that, but also you yeah. were like just trying to get out of a freaking cult. <laughs> but I'm glad that you were able to get out of that, and it's such an emotional time. So I can't even imagine being able to think about who's gonna get this much money or who's gonna do. Like at that point, you're just trying to get out, and yeah, yeah. And honestly, like she, you know, she, I I came up with something because you know I was surprised that she was like, okay, you know, it's fine, but you know, you need to help me, um, you know, financially. And when she said that to me, I'm like, oh, God, like, because I remember hearing about like another ex-deacons, you know, ex-wife saying to him, I could take all your money if I wanted to. Like, you know, I, I think that being financially bound to somebody might be uh, a big 
Um, you know, because you can't really get a prenup <laughs> being in this arranged marriage. You know, like you just go into it with, you know, faith that things will work out. But, you know. That's smart. The world's going to end. So instead of going at her like, this isn't fair, we're going to do 50-50 split. You were like, instead of her coming after me and maybe the chance of a judge giving her like monthly alimony for the rest of her life. Yep, exactly. Like some random judge that doesn't know the whole backstory. They get oh, to- Oh, I was, if she wanted to take it there, I was ready to like go to the court and like let it loose about what the Wimscog's up to. Yeah. So yeah, that's true. You did kind of have to go at it like that. But you know, that's what you have to do when you're in an abusive situation, you have to like negotiate beforehand all the ways inside of your head and then go, if I offer this platter, then maybe they'll just take it and get away and I can get out. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah so that's, I gave that platter. <laughs> Do you ever miss her? I think so. Yeah. Um, I bet you feel that, sad for her that she's still in that place. You know, so I, I've heard a couple of stories recently about, um, you know, members who were in arranged marriages. And unlike me, who was like, uh, when I decided to leave, like, it was just a couple months and I was out. And then, like, I was just like, all right, bye. <laughs> you know, I I, I, I ran. Um, others, I think that they they have the same situation I have. Um, I know, I, I, I believe, um, you know, Chad was in the same situation. So there's been a, a lot of people, but, you know, Raymond, for instance, he left and he remained married. Um, other people like, you know, I'm, I'm hearing about they're in a situation just like me. Um, and then they're able to wait a while and get their spouse out as well. Um, honestly, like just that thought of, you know, taking something that's so precious to her and then trying to spoil it for her and get her out. Like it's ultimately good for her. Ultimately it would be great. You know, if she could, if she could like see what this place is really about, but um, you know, I just, I don't know. I, I, I just don't have that, uh, that in me. Um, well, she wasn't ready yet. She wasn't ready to no. come out yet. And Hopefully soon, hopefully one day she will. I believe one day she will. But, but you know, that, that control they have over us is too strong. There was nothing that you really could have done. You had to do what was best for you, for you to get out. Because honestly, Anthony, you were in danger because the Wimscog is abusive. And so you had to do whatever you had to do to get out. Yeah, and it was it was really sad because do you remember when I was telling you about when we first moved to Florida? um and how she was kind of mistreating me um and she you know she got a lot better after that like you know little by little she got better um but i had left i had left her i um i packed my stuff up and when you know nobody was home i put it in my car and i just you know i left um i left a note and that was it and she came home to that and she was devastated um that she and then you know eventually i did it again <laughs> i i um i i you know i i did it another time um because you know she just kept sometimes she'd get too aggressive with pushing me 
um, you know, too much, too much, too much. Um, and then, you know, I would just pack up and, and disappear. And the, the day I decided to go, um, I gave her a call. I'm like, listen, like I am leaving. I'm, it was the middle of like a huge blizzard too. It was like the worst blizzard of, um, you know, into 2022, uh, very beginning of the year. Um, there were like senators and people getting stuck on the side of the road for days because of how bad the snow was. And I packed up my car that day in the middle of the night and I was like driving away, um, you know, slowly. It was really scary. I was like, oh, I'm, you know, <laughs> you know, when they say when you leave the church, like, you know, you're going to get in a car accident, something bad's going to happen to you. And well, like I felt like, uh oh, like I'm trying to leave and I have like the worst weather. I didn't even realize how like, you know, ramps were closed. It was really bad. And I just drove off in that because I'm like, she's out right now at the church until late. Let me just load up my car um, before she gets back so she doesn't have to see me leave. And I'll give her a call and I'll talk about it. And yeah, it was, you know, obviously not the way, you know, you you want things to, to go. But I think that when you're in the Wimscog, all the couples, all of them act a a certain way actually sometimes you don't even know who's married right it's like kind of taboo to know whose husband is who Mm -hmm. Um, but it's like a performance but behind the scenes the marriages are struggling so much like I bet the regular members had no idea that any of this stuff was going on in your marriage right no you guys are putting on a totally godly perfect front but actually, you're having so many struggles. Actually, I, you know, I, I think you could tell for the fact that, like, I, I just keep talking on your podcast and on different platforms that, like, for me, whenever I have a trouble, like, I, I talk about it. Um, That's very and I'm not like, Yeah, I'm not, I'm not ashamed to tell people about, like, you know, these intimate details of, you know, my struggles, but... Um, I would I would talk, you know, to other, you know, title holders, uh, uh, you know, and then they would confess to me that they're going through the same exact stuff. Uh, a lot of them were really miserable. A lot of them are very mismatched. Um, you know, it's just kind of like whatever the overseer thought. I've seen a lot of divorce too, like leaders divorce. I've seen a lot of a lot of issues about incompatibility because. You know, of course, like you're putting people together who really shouldn't be. They didn't date. They didn't choose each other, but they're putting being put into these different like circumstances and situations and just pretending to be happy. And after a while, like it, you know, these mis- mismatches fall apart. It's like they're just using us as their little pieces to spread the word of their stupid cult. Like, like we mean nothing, you know, we're just little pieces to their game. Yeah. Yeah. It's awful. Yeah. I mean, and that's, 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 you know, that's really right. Um, But we're real people with real emotions and real feelings and these kinds of situations, they're awful and they're happening almost in every single relationship in there. Yeah. And you know what I've seen too, um, people, some people they're like, uh, 
in these desperate situations and then have you ever seen anybody who was offered marriage and said no to it mm-hmm. oh yeah yeah and then what happens to those people like the leader all of a sudden doesn't think that they're worthy as leaders anymore um you know like you know they've they've been elevated so far that they're a gospel worker but they're single so you know they try to pair them up with different people and you know if they say no to a marriage then it's like oh well you know i give up on that one then yeah true true if you're a single gospel worker something is wrong like that is not cool and everybody kind of knows it it's awful you know I'm so glad that you are willing to talk about it because you don't know how much somebody is going to listen and really um, resonate with what you're saying. And it is so helpful to not feel alone, you know? Yeah. And, you know, it's um, I've, I've seen a lot of people who are I think, honestly, there's probably a lot of people who really want to leave mm-hmm. the church and they just don't want to leave their spouse you know scary it's so scary and i mean they're they're just scared because not because they believe not because they fear leaving the church if they were single they would have been out years ago i'm sure but it's the fact that they love their spouse um you know like these sorts of pairings they don't want to give that person up and i think that that's really a sad way to live your life to pretend like you believe in something that you don't, uh, it, you know, it, it has to, it has to be like such a hard life and you're doing it dedicated to this other person. And now other people like, you know, they really want to stay in the church, but they're married to somebody who's just a monster. We've seen a lot of that too. Um, that, that story Esperanza was saying is just awful. You know, that, like that guy is such a creep still there i think and he's still in leadership i know and it, that's oh uh, man like it's just it's the so leadership 100 percent knows about the abusive marriages 100 percent they know and that is criminal one of the things that surprises me is that sometimes they meddle and i wonder if they feel like oh we shouldn't have done that because i feel like esperanza was into it until they just jumped into her life and meddled with it like that like she seems like she probably, you know, could have stayed in. Like, But they don't want that. They want a couple so that they can use them. But that's so stupid. I feel like if they left people alone, then they would get more out of them, maybe. Well, I think, I think that sometimes what they do, they some people, they, you know, they could be used. But if they keep having this, like, urge, you know, they're, they're going to eventually find somebody outside of the church or do things in an inappropriate way. Commit sexual immorality. That's yeah, whether really it be in thing. or out. Yeah. So every if- single like um, you know, we get comic books about sexual morality. We're constantly told about that. Not to do that, not to think about it. It's a really great sin. Yeah, that's true. I guess the whole oh. point control it for the longevity of it and not just the and supposedly the from what I remember from the Esperanza story was that this clown couldn't get married to anybody so they they're like oh you know she's like uh she's a good prey <laughs> just 
feed her to the lion, you know? And that's how she got stuck with him is because where he was at, like he couldn't, he couldn't get paired up. Nobody wanted to marry him. And they knew he was abusive before they paired them. So that's awful. Anthony. Can I ask you a really personal question? I I can listen to it, but I'll find <laughs> out whether or not I'm going to respond. Okay. Are you currently dipping your tippy toes into the dating pool? Maybe. Maybe not. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, yeah. No, the big yeah. smile. I think he is. Okay. That's okay. You can plead the fifth. Yeah, not on this show. I'll you tell you, I'll tell you all about now. it another time. Okay. Oh my so gosh. I'll fly to Denver. We'll we'll have a drink. <laughs> okay. Yes, please. I'm so happy that you are able to do whatever the hell you want to do. You can date. You could not date. You can marry. You can not marry. You can have cats. You can have kids. You can have dogs. You can have whatever the hell you want. Well, I can't have a dog in this apartment, but oh, yeah. Oh man, but if you wanted, you could. <laughs> Yeah, dogs are a lot of responsibility. Probably more than kids, I think. Uh, I think no. so. Congratulations <laughs> on everything that you went through, Anthony. You, it really shows what kind of person you are, what kind of, um, I hate to say like perseverance, and you know, but you just overcame so much to get to where you are. You I, mean, I think we all you did, right? You entangled yourself, yeah. But, I mean... It's it's definitely always like a, a work in progress. I um, I I look back at the experience and like you know I just feel like there has to have been some reason for it. And I think I've learned a lot. I think I could view the world in a different way. And sometimes you get some people so stuck in like a certain mentality. And now I could kind of figure out why. There's a lot of different things out there to indoctrinate people into. A different sense of reality and I could kind of appreciate and understand where people are at a little bit better and this has also given me a lot of experience to be able to help people um, and for me I think that sometimes I give myself value based on how I can help other people um, you know that's something that like really gets me happy is to to be able to help so good that's you know. scientific. When you help others, it helps you feel better. Yeah. 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 yeah that's um, like a, that's a healthy, a healthy behavior. And that's, that's the Wimscog probably just yeah. saw about you. Well, it's like. more uh it's more blessed to give love than to receive love because oh, God. <laughs> God always gives love. Yeah. <laughs> you have to have love back, right? You have to make sure that you're filling and giving. And that's the balance that you need. Yeah, I think um yeah. Oh, there's so many things to say about this topic, though. There are so many things, like, just to get into with, you know, the abuses and the weird arrangements that, you know, I just feel like we could keep going on about this topic forever. But even just hearing your personal story, I think it's so helpful. And the fact that you do talk about it in such a detailed way is really, really helpful. Because we just hear, oh, an arranged marriage, but you really help us to get a picture of what that looks like on a day-to-day -day basis. For anybody that is in the Wimscog or in any coercive control group, we want you to be aware that forced marriage and human trafficking are illegal and that you can contact the U.S. 
Citizens, Citizenship and Immigration Service, and they can help you. There's actually a hotline, and we can put it in the show notes. And Lindsay found some information to so that we could recognize what a forced marriage is. Under federal law, human trafficking involves exploiting someone to compel a commercial sex act or forced labor. Generally, this exploitation must involve force, fraud, or coer coercion to be considered human trafficking. However, if someone is under the age of 18, it is in induced to perform a commercial sex act that's considered human trafficking, even if there's no force, fraud, or coercion. Okay. Forced marriage and human trafficking are distinct forms of abuse. While both forced marriage and human trafficking are forms of abuse that exploit the victim, not all forced marriages involve human trafficking. I think in the case of the Wimscog, there's forced marriages, arranged marriages, and a lot of labor trafficking, possibly human trafficking, probably human trafficking, right? So yes, I, I believe that there is labor trafficking. I think that it's connected. It's connected to the marriages. Like Anthony says, once you're in the marriage, you it's almost like you become their property. You go where yeah, they tell it, you I mean, to go. You move when they tell you to move. You switch schools for your kids and they tell you to do that. You do whatever they tell you to do. You I don't to them. believe that it's like it opens the gate for it. I just believe that the marriage is an accelerant. Like right. you are even single people are abused through labor traffic. Absolutely. There. Absolutely. Um, like yeah. really, really difficult um, work that they have to do even as single people. But once you're married, then all of a sudden, like these expectations grow. Um, like I think uh, there, Michelle was talking about that. Like after she got married, all of a sudden it was like, oh, we did this wedding for you. Now you guys need to be here more. Now you guys need to do this more. And like they were really new in the church and they were, you know, kind of still growing. And then all of a sudden, like as soon as they got married, then all of a sudden, like the expectations started to like, grow exponentially i just love the like i love the mental image of michelle being like fuck you i'm going on my honeymoon <laughs> <laughs> i'll be in Anthony, did you go on the honeymoon no we we went to, we moved to florida yeah happy honeymoon go preaching antic you went preaching. yeah the other thing that i think of too when i when i connect the wimscog deranged marriages and like the immigration stuff is it feels very teetering into human trafficking when someone's someone's immigration status is dependent on this marriage that was sort of orchestrated by the church and like and they the coercion of doomsday is coming yeah so like that also puts that person in a vulnerable situation too yeah you know what i hate here i'm gonna tell you you t say, oh, I, you know, I, I don't believe that this is good, that there's arranged marriage. And then people respond, well, you had a choice. You had a choice whether or not no. you did. You know what? Like, you know, but that's that's what I see. I see that in like um, the comment section. You? you know, people in the comment sections, like the, the hmm. you know, the members who go to like Great Light Studios or something like that. And they they get to the comment sections like. Oh, nobody held a gun to your head and nobody forced you to do it. You know, that's that's like people's mindset who are in the church. You know, like, yeah, you know, nobody literally said you're going to die by this gun, physically die right now if you don't do this. But it is something that you're told that this is controlled by God. 
you know, this is an opportunity to do more for God. And that if you ever said no to a blessing that God gave to you, then, you know, you're, you're basically disobeying God. You're, you know, if your leader who was appointed by God is telling you this is what you should do, if you don't do it, you're basically having, looking at God and saying, well, even though you want me to do this, I don't want to. And people who do things like that go to hell. People who do things like that, you know, they're they're um, condemned for it. So, yeah, even though they're not putting a gun to my head, there is definitely pressure on me. And a lot of times they'll say, Heavenly Mother is blessing this marriage or whatever, right? Well, they, even they said sometimes, that. Right, they said that to you? Yeah, they said that about... Um, they, they said that because it was uh, a Korean marrying her American fruit. Uh, supposedly that wasn't really done. Like, you know, they'd married Koreans to other people, but this was a, a, a unique time where the Special Korean blessing, married... Anthony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... <laughs> but that's what I mean is like, you're thinking that it's straight from God. God herself arranged you with this, with your, with your branch. So you're already so coerced by that point. You don't really have a choice. You're following the path that's going to lead you to heaven, the path of least resistance. Yeah. And honestly, like at the time I was living in the brother's dorm and almost like the entire brother's dorm was married off at once. Mm. Like uh, one of them, he, you know, he moved in, he, he never even met his wife. Like they never had even like the dates that we were granted it was just told you you guys get married um another one like there was three of us you know after he left another three of us got married um like basically in sequence like all within like a month of each other yeah so you it's not like you just experienced it but you also witnessed it over and over we we're witnesses of all this abuse. Yeah, and I've I've seen like marriages fail where, you know, somebody really wants to get married and then the marriage doesn't work out and then they're forever condemned not to get married again. Um, you know, they have to really prove themselves or you know, it, it's just uh, actually in, in Maryland, um a, the the leader was just marrying anybody. Like, you know, members who had left and just came back. He was like, "Okay, you guys get married." Like he was, it was very arbitrary. He was just like, you and you, you, and, like, I think he just loved it. Um, but then eventually there were members who wanted to get married because they were seeing everybody else get married. And they're like, why aren't I getting married? And then he started to bring that up to the pastor. And the pastor was like, because, you know, Maryland always said, um, you know, mother, we want to turn Maryland into motherland. You know, remember that? You saw that in the video, Tony. I, I, I see. Um, so, I so remember he, that. Pastor was like, "Oh, maybe it won't be motherland. Maybe it'll be Mary land." Oh, <laughs> you oh know, <laughs> all right, really, <laughs> the wit, the wit on that one, right? Oh, um, <laughs> anyway, divorce land. <laughs> yeah, divorce <laughs> land. <laughs> it, it it was really bad. I remember even um, the leaders having meetings with our our wives. They we had this one meeting in Maryland where the leader sat us together, um, husband and wife throughout for a meeting and had a whole education about sex and like um, how how often we should be having sex with each other 
and it just really uncomfortable. How often? Uncomfortable. I'm just curious. Um, <laughs> there was no specific number, but oh. it was basically like um, wives. If your husband wants to have sex, you have sex, and if your husband, if the um, wife wants to have sex, husband, you have to have sex. That was the um, like we had to fulfill each other, you know, in that way. That was the education. Um, so you know Just that a was general statement to all the married couples. Yeah, yeah. It, it was it was it was mostly like you know. That sounds great. It, if your husband wants to, you know. And there was like, but husbands, sometimes your wives just want to talk your ear off at night and you have to listen to them. Oh, yeah. God, they're so awful. Like, that's like the 1950s. I know. Did How they could I be in there? I'm such a feminist. How could I be in there? Well, with they, your veil on. <laughs> oh my God, I know. They're bowing. I feel oh like they tricked you guys in the beginning because they're like, we're so cool. We have a female god. And then immediately it's like, get to the kitchen, bitches. Put your veil on. Yeah. <laughs> Next when your husband wants to. Damn. I'll say, though, there were times in the, the heat of the summer, you know, where I'd prefer to be like indoors cooking opposed to uh, out cooking. there preaching or doing like construction or, you know, landscaping. Totally. So, <laughs> some of the gender roles you guys yeah. made out. Totally. <laughs> Anthony, thank you for sharing about your marriage and your and sex life. Thank you for we having really me. really appreciate you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for letting us ask those things. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't as invasive as I thought. So no, that, okay. thank you guys I, for having boundaries on this. Just a very quick opinion. Do you guys think like Indian marriages and other cultural marriages are the same? concept that they breed room for abuse or do you think that those are different i think that there is um cultural differences uh that you know are at play when it comes to the like you know these arranged marriages internationally or even domestically that it's been done for generations i don't think that um it's necessarily compatible with our Western lifestyle. Uh, however, you know, if they believe it works, if they're happy with it, a lot of times it, you know, dating is not an easy thing. And, you know, a lot of people who just go out into the dating field, they come back, you know, hands empty. Um, so have like an arrangement. Uh, I think a lot of people find a benefit in it, in this like social thing, um, but they're doing it, you know, for different reasons. And if they don't want to do it, they should have the right not to do it. If they're being forced into it, like, you know, you will be disowned from our family if you don't marry this person, you know, you will be disinherited, you will not, you know, if if, if it's something like that, where there, um, there are consequences for them choosing not to be into it, then I disagree with with it arranged marriages and other cultures a lot of times the family members are helping to choose the partner so you know as opposed to just some random pastor that doesn't even know you yeah my <laughs> final words on arranged marriages honestly I, I do want to speak out to the people um, who might be listening to this who were in the same situation as me um i just want to let you know that you know your personal freedom is 
worth so much more to have your peace of mind. Um, you could be doing a lot for your spouse who is a believer. And when you want to leave, if you set the example, um, really you have to help yourself before you can help them and living your life in a lie, following a, a belief system. You don't really believe it doesn't do anyone any help. You're not helping them leave. It's not helping your life at all. So, um, it's really difficult. There are people here to talk, you know, if you have anything that you needed to talk about or, or support that you're looking for. So, um, you know, I just say that it's a tough decision and I'm sorry that you're going through it. I was there, but you know, you'll be better off if you disconnect from the church first, and then you can always help that person out afterward. And if it was really meant to be, if it was really love, then they would choose to be with you even after you depart. So that's my, uh, that's my, my word. And with that, I'll just say, boom, baby. And then she leaves. <laughs> How was that? Okay, there she is. Sorry. Okay. Mm -hmm.